afternoon, Cop Masters. Uh, Phil, Dave, really good to see you. Dave, you look cold again. What's going on? Are you still in the Arctic? I'm back in the bunker, boys. Oh, yeah. I'm back in the bunker. It's it's the most one of the most secluded places on the planet with the best connection of internet connectivities oh, really? on the planet. Which is just, which is, yeah, yeah. But I'm all right. I'm all right. I've leveled up in my uh, warmth apparel. Uh, next week, if I'm if we're recording from here, I'll have a full Arctic uh, expedition suit on. I think like it, but I'm all right. Good, I'm all right. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad you, you, mate. you, you good? Or what do we always say? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Good day. I'm all right. Bad day. I'm all right. You know what? It's Thanks for asking. Thing. Thanks for asking. No, I'm <laughs> I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. I've hit one of my uh, fitness goals this morning. What was that? Thanks for asking. Got out of bed. You got out of bed. <laughs> no, that's Phil's goal. <laughs> yeah, he got out of bed and had a, sh- he got out of bed, had a, sh- had a shower and tri- trimmed his nasal hair. And that's what he did. I'm glad you said shower then. <laughs> I did the other as well. No, I, I've, uh, I've uh, dropped under 20% body fat for the first time in my adult life, under 20% body fat. Blimey. So I'm pretty I'm pretty cool with that. That's a kilogram in the last two weeks I've dropped. Mate, there's, mate, there's fuck all to you. There's no, nothing no, to you, mate. There's loads of muscle and, uh, and, yeah, muscle, and yeah, heart exactly. and love. That's what there is here. But thanks for asking anyway. Yeah, so I am buzzing. Lots of love. I am buzzing. I'm, I'm full of it. I've, I have abundant love around me all the time. It's all cool. I exude it everywhere. Phil, how are you doing, mate? Is that actually Phil or is it the AI avatar generated by a system? It's definitely it's definitely me. If I can stop you talking about your love muscle, uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not AI. Would AI come up with a, a good little little joke like that eh no love no, no. <laughs> no. it might be more appropriate <laughs> no fine keeping keeping busy yes definitely keeping on my ai phil kind of thing but yeah that's uh it's all good yeah it's, it's really good to see you and you know it's, it's really good to see um people generally speaking it's that time of year when it just gets darker we don't get out as much do we I'm finding that it's becoming a bit of a chore to get out. And when we are getting out in the morning or at night, it's darker because we can't see people, which kind of brings me on to the next point. There's there's another box on this um, on, on this program at the moment, and there's a name attached to that to that box. And it's somebody who uh, who gives me a lot of hope. Every time I meet him, see him at events, or uh, just go for a brew at the Village Hotel or something, it just gives me hope all the time. Who's your mate? This, this is my mate, Chris. How you doing, Chris? I'm good. Cheers, Andy. And hi, Phil. Hi, Dave. Hello. Um, How you doing, buddy? Great to hey, be Chris. here. Sorry my uh, video is not working, but hopefully you can hear my Chris Bolton accent shining through. Definitely. It's all crystal clear. It's all good, mate. It's all good. It's just shame we can't see you, but that, that's a problem our listeners won't have. They always imagine me to look like David Beckham and, you know. <laughs> is that what you told them? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I did an audio described version of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to let that person down, but it's not true. I'm a listener. <laughs> I'm a listener. <laughs> oh, amazing. So, um, Chris, do you want to introduce yourself or do you want me to do it? Uh, either way, to be fair, I found it. I, I guess I can say a little bit about I am, but I'll probably miss a million things. I hate introducing uh, myself. Well, but, um, well, let me soften the blow. Chris is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Seriously, seriously, heart is bigger than his body. I don't even know if it's physically possible to do it. Um, first first time I met Chris, um, I can't remember when it was, but it was like an instant value connection thinking, I like this guy. Everything he says is exactly from the heart and where it should be. Um, consequently, we've, we've, I think, face-to-face, maybe three times we've sat down and spoke with each other, and there's never enough time to cover the topics we want to cover. So I thought it'd be really cool to get you on the show. Some things that stand out, um, a TEDx speaker, 
We can always talk about that later if you want to. Um, maybe talk about some of the topics that covered on your on your TEDx. Um, ex-professional footballer, um, swam about a billion miles, ran about a billion miles, back-to-back marathons, uh, cycled Land's End to John O'Groats recently this year. But above all that, uh, a person who just gives hope to a lot of people, myself included. So what have I missed, Chris? Is that accurate? Yeah, I think it's probably the reason why I did all those things. It's probably because I'm not the kind of person who really enjoys those kind of long-distance endurance things either. Um, I find them bloody horrendous sometimes. Um, but it's, it's the reason why. Um, so when I did the marathons back-to-back, I did four marathons in four days. I um, I went and built a schoolhouse in Uganda um, with the money that was raised. Um, with the swimming 53 miles, I went and helped 36 people uh, from the streets of Manchester into employment. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so like, and Land's Enter John O'Groats once again raised money for the um, the social enterprise that I run now. So it's kind of, well, I guess your reason why or my mm. reason why it was really important. And I know, Andy, you talk about that quite a mm. lot. Um, about the reason why being so yeah. important. It's always awkward though, isn't it, when we, we talk about profiles? Because you look at like a LinkedIn profile, which we love talking about on this show. <sighs> um, but it's never really the genuine person we're talking about, is it? So how do you do it? I mean, did, when, when somebody says, oh, this is a TEDx speaker, this is an ex-athlete, this is somebody who does social good or justice, you know, dad, a husband, a friend, you know, where do we start with those labels? So I always find it really difficult. So, but thanks for attempting that anyway. They, I mean, some of the, um, some of the things that you're involved in, you know, Uganda, for example, I think that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Homelessness, another, another great one. So what, where, where do you get your energy from to do these things? Where, where, where's your, where does this motivation come from to, to help others? Well, that's actually really interesting because I'm not naturally, or wasn't naturally this person. So You're quite selfish. Going back a little while, very very <laughs> selfish. Like really, like seriously. Really? Like growing up, I cared about me, my own family. I didn't want to move out of Bolton. All I wanted was as much money as possible, yeah. big cars, big houses, living on a beach, well, all that kind of stuff, you know. And that's all I cared about. So really, it's empathy. It's it's. I went through a lot of crap at the age of what twenty twenty one, and even a bit younger, and I started to care about people. That made me think I'm not the only one. And then I started to transform my whole life. And my values completely flipped, which people can say, oh, this is who I am. I thought I knew who I was. Mm. And it all changed. Like It all changed. And to the, to the point when I lived in America for six years, I was when I came back from America, my parents didn't recognize who I was. Like, they were like, what, you're, you're going to build a school in Africa? What, what have you got to do with Africa? Like, you're doing marathons. Like, who, who, who are you? you know, <laughs> you're the guy who was football and parties and that side of stuff. And it was like, no, I just completely changed my values. So I think the reason behind all of this is because I understand and felt it. I felt what it's like to have no hope. I felt what it's like to to feel lost, to feel like I didn't really? really know where my life was going. And ever since there, it was like, you know what, build bridges between myself and other people. And I absolutely love it. So yeah, that's kind of the reason things started to change and, and, and the values kind of flipped really quickly. Chris, if you don't mind me asking, then the, the the obvious question now, if you don't mind talking about it, what was it that happened? Because it sounds like it's had a, a profound effect on how you sort of outlook on on life. So, is it something you're comfortable sort of talking about? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a number of things that happened, Phil. Um, so growing up, I'm, I can't say here, but I'm half Indian, I'm half English, so I'm mixed race. So I was always racially abused, um, told I'd never play football, called a packy and, and all sorts of things, you know, and essentially, but I never, I used that as motivation. I never talked about it. 
never ever talked about it. I just got made down, I'm gonna do it. And I was a really chubby kid and so people call me fat, there's no chance I'm gonna do it. Teachers would say you need to get a proper dream and all that. Became a professional footballer and essentially um eighteen, nineteen, got injured and I thought I was gonna I dropped out of school when I was sixteen. I was gonna play playing against United, I played against like Paul Schools and like some of my idols, you know, and I was like, Man, this is class, I've made it. And the lads were doing great. We got promoted to League One and I was not part of it. I was not part of that team because I was injured and, and I felt so lonely. I was mm. going to the casino every day. Uh, I wasn't telling anyone. So after training, I'd go to the casino. I wasn't spending big money, but I was just spending time there every day. Um, I'd get in my car. I'd just drive hopelessly with no direction. And I just just felt lost, like really, really mm. lost. And then when I got to America, I was promised a, <laughs> I was promised a scholarship, full-ride scholarship, in California, close to the beach, like San Francisco. I was like, it's in a bit, I'm off it, right? Like, American pie, here we come. I'm going to have a great time. And turned up and the scholarship was a lie. We didn't have one. Um, I was six hours from the beach, I was promised. I was living in a three-bedroom house with 13 people. Um, I was just, I was just, we were all, there's 55 of us for a 23-person uh, squad. And we'd all come from all over the world. And I was just feeling so down. Like so, so down. I was I was lacking purpose in my life, and I always say that I didn't I didn't say I would ever take my own life or anything like that. But I definitely questioned my reason for being. Mm. You know, I questioned why I was here, um, and the same happened in two thousand eighteen. I very much questioned my reason for being um, when I got back, and I was lacking purpose, and I'd done all these crazy things in Uganda and stuff, and I applied for two hundred and fifty jobs, couldn't get a job, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, all I want to do is help people. And everything that people are telling me, become a salesman. You can you could sell sand to the Arabs, Chris. Get as much money as possible. You know, I, was, I don't care about any of that stuff. All I care about is helping people and connecting to people. Uh, and I just, I just, to be honest, I've always felt like the odd one out. Um, and that's kind of been like trying to fit myself into a like a square peg into a round hole kind of thing. And I think that's probably it. It's not huge, huge things, um, but it's just a, I guess, things that many people might go through. So the the steps along the way that have all just chipped away at you at the time in their own, their own various ways but then actually at some point that all becomes significant collectively significant to, to make you go yeah sod the way I have like perceived my life so far I'm gonna I'm gonna change and I think me Dave and Andy have all sort of in one way or another had that um you know in that moment where you go aha you know I'm not this person that I thought I was, um, you know, I want to do good. I want to make a change mm. in people's lives and stuff like that. And it's, you know, I think for me it came a bit late later in life because of sort of work and what have you. Um, but, you know, it is quite a profound moment, isn't it, when you get there and you're like, ah, I don't, the money isn't important. I can't take it with me as we t- talked about in the last episode it's worth nothing really it's currency mm. and currency you know the by definition is current <laughs> what does it mean now mm. um yeah it just sounds ace Chris. I, I think that's that's it must be must be such a good thing to get there and go you know what i've done all this i've had some bad shit happen as well as well and now i can see that my my north north light in this is is to to be a better person, but be a, be a, be a person that impacts the people around me, and not not immediately around you. You know, like the Uganda and stuff. 
it's and it's, it's an intention as well. It's kind of I know that even if I don't feel like I'm doing it, I'm intending to. I'm trying. I'm trying to make the causes and not to focus on the effect. So I practice mm-hmm. Nietzsche in Buddhism. A lot of it's about cause and effect, and and it's it's kind of you know what I was focusing so much on the effect. Why isn't this happening? Why am I not? Why mm. you know what? It's not going to happen. Focus on the things you can control, which is the causes. Keep making the causes. The effect will naturally yeah. happen. Uh, and it was a complete. I guess we talk a lot, and I'm currently studying in Buddhism about like awakenings. We're talking about a lot about awakening, which essentially means realizations. Mm. And how many realization points can you have in your life? You know, and, and for me, I had many realization points, and they're opportunities to decide which crossroads are you going to go down, mm. which lane do you want to go. And I think the more realization points you can have, the better. And for me, that's that's really really important. And that's kind of that time when I was going through obstacles and stuff. Like always, always going through obstacles. Mm. It's right. Am I open to realizing and awakening to that? Where am I? I think that's that's fascinating, particularly about about the intention as well. And I, I, for me, I'm not sure about you know Dave and Phil. Is that sometimes we we just blind to opportunities because we've, we're so blinkered in life. And you've alluded to it already, Chris. You know, you know, cars, money, lifestyle. That's the thing that we we kind of almost programmed to desire. Where actually, there are so many opportunities in our lives when we think, I could have done a better thing there. I could have done something better for someone else. Or it could have been, you know, I made the wrong decision to maybe apply for that job or go for a promotion or set up a business. It's just, why am I actually doing this in the first place? So the word you use is intention and we use the word purpose as well quite often. What what occurs to me is that you've had that realization far younger than most people. It seems to be that, you know, you've, you know, your eyes have been opened much earlier than most people. And it didn't take a, you know, an almost suicidal thought that what took you there. It it was, you know, probably a combination of things that are where you arrived at, you know, applying for hundreds of jobs, not getting anywhere with that, and realizing that actually maybe this isn't the path for me. Which I think I think that's that, that's fantastic. You've got a, a podcast as well, Tales to Inspire, which is pretty cool. We've had some amazing guests on there. Um, the, the, the episode I was involved in had a, had a really good host, maybe not guest. I've been a, I was a guest on Tales to Inspire. Um, how many how many how many people have you had on the podcast now? Over one hundred and fifty. Um, so over one hundred and fifty. We've been going the. The blog's been going since 2019, November, and the podcast started in October of 2020. So, yeah, over 150 people who shared the story. That's, that's it's really cool. And, and is that is the podcast in line with your intention, your purpose? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Like, that was that was the – I had no idea. When I started the podcast, people thought I was mad. I, that was November. Just, just share people's stories. And I was the next thing, I'm quitting my job. <laughs> it's like, what, you don't even have – you don't even have a – a revenue stream. I don't care. I'm doing what I love. You know, I'm doing something. So I quit my job and three months later, and essentially never made a penny out of the podcast, but workshops, schools reached out, the corporate space reached out and was like, can you do this? Can you do that? And it became a not-for-profit and it just grew from there. So, but it's so in line with, I love stories. I love connecting to people. You know, that's my number one thing. Being an entrepreneur is great. There's some awful things. I hate admin. I hate accounts. I hate finances. I hate all that stuff. I love connecting to people yeah. so like that even though people say yeah well you're not making any money out of the podcast you know what that's i love it absolutely love it yeah I mean, it's one of those things isn't it it's a discussion we have all the time about talking card you know we've been doing it for 
how long now, guys? Three years, is it? Three years? Two, two years? Three, I can't remember. Two and a half years. And, um, you know, for us, it's just you know, it's quite similar. You know, it's to sort of to talk about things that, you know, we might not otherwise talk about and, and to talk to people like you, people that come in and are, are really inspiring and have got stories to tell in the same way. And it's just, you know, and then I think we always say we do this if even if, if no one listened because – you know, for the prices of editing, it's cheaper than therapy for the three of us. So you know, it, it, and 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 it and it all pulls back instinct. This thing, I mean, we've talking cut. We've always kind of focused it on on, on middle aged men, um, because we are a kind of uh, at an age where we're in this funny thing where we come from a gen. Our gen. Our, 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 Oh, my dad, and and, and 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 I know this is the same with Dave and Andy. You know, my dad would never talk about you know things that were bothering him or his, his emotions or anything like that. And then maybe an, a, a, a younger audience, a younger demographic, sorry, are a bit more in tune with uh, at least cognizant and and, and 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 of their sort of mental health and the need for good mental health. And it's not. We, we I suppose our generation we're in this weird thing where it was almost a taboo to the generation before us, mm-hmm. and, and almost common common parlance for the for the generation after us. Um, you know, so I, I think the whole thing of sharing stories is absolutely brilliant. We learn so much, don't we? From, mm. And, and, and I suppose I'll, sh- I'll shut up in a minute, but, you know, I suppose the, the other thing about blokes is we, we sometimes we can have really superficial pro- um, conversations. We are wired for talking crap, um, you know, and, and it's easy to deflect something into a daft joke or, a, you know, what have you. And to actually have a more meaningful conversation about stuff is, mm. isn't something you, you do. I do more now of this but you know it's not something we're wired for is it don't think yeah yeah i i agree phil and just want to bring dave in now because it looks like you're frozen completely um come blue he's (laughs) not his nose has actually gone blue it has (laughs) dave so so listening to to chris's story though particularly sort of getting into uh professional sports for example you know, you, you've got you've got boys who are potentially going down a similar kind of path. Does are, are there anything out of Chris's story that that concerns you or, or warms your heart or what's relevant to you as a parent? You know. So I've probably seen it more with. I mean, they both play a lot of football and they both sort of within. I guess they're both in. Well, they are in that academy system to a certain extent. Or Max, not necessarily as much as what Joshua is, but Joshua has been in it since he was twelve. So, you know, it. At the end of the day, it's a business, you know, and, it, and you just got to accept that this is a business and it's ruthless, you know. And I liken it to a big having a big funnel and putting lots of lots of potential people in at the top and it's filter, 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 filter. And one day you can be the shiniest thing and then the next minute you're not, you know, which which I guess can be like life to a certain extent. Obviously, I've only, you know, I've only experienced it with the boys around this time and now the, and depending on what level you're playing at will depend on what support that sits around there. And we've definitely seen that in the last three or four years, the mental health aspects 
is it, people are more aware of it. People are talking about it more and the people are there and the systems and the processes to help facilitate that. But again, you know, these are these are young men, young boys, young men that are going to come up as blokes. And like you've just said before, we don't really want to talk about stuff, you know, in, in, a, in, in a lot of instances. And then when you start to think about professional sports, you, you don't want to look weak. You've got to be strong. You've got to be consistent. You want the shirt. Do you know what I mean? So even though sometimes you may be struggling, the last thing is, you know, the last thing on your mind is I want to have a conversation about this. I guess the good thing from the, the boys' perspective is, you know, they, they've got parents that understand it and will have open conversations about things. Whereas if it was the other way around, you know, going back to my mum and dad, like you said before, would we have that conversation? Would they be able to listen and advise us in a certain way? May, maybe not, you know, because it's a completely, it's a different era, you know. And it, it, so it, the support is probably there more than what it was. But, and we see it a lot, you know, these clubs say, this is what we're about, this is what we stand for. But saying something and doing it is 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 completely different. And there's always a disconnect because at the end of the day, they're a business and they want to win games and they want to bring players through. And if these players don't necessarily get to the first team, they want to sell them on for money. You, you, you know, you're an asset with a value that's assigned to you. Yeah, that's so true. Like that is so, so true. I, I, it's, it's hard though, isn't it? Because from an individual point of view, you have an identity. Yeah. So I had an identity. I was Chris. I was a football player. I was a footballer. And I was known as that since I was, what, 13 years old? 12 years old uh, and that's my dream was I'm all since I was the first memories on this earth was you know be a professional football player so essentially when that went away man yeah. that was tough mm-hmm. you know that was so tough and it was like man like who am I I don't have everything was attached to that one thing that's why when I go into schools now a lot of it's about having more than one dream yeah and um, but the once again the academy system and the football, professional football system is really dangerous for this because I've known uh, young people, especially my age, who went in at five, got to 18, got released, and all they've done is play football. Now, being a sports person in football, you're athletic, you're a winner, you're competitive, you're, you're a team builder, you're great at communicating, you're all these amazing things, but you've never had the opportunity to play other sports, you never had the opportunity to test other things around the world. You're just absolutely taking down one funnel. So when that funnel goes... Like so many of the people I played with were really talented in so many areas, and now they are uh, working warehouses or lorry drivers. And I speak to a lot of them still, and they're just so unhappy, you know, so unhappy. And I'm like, man, you had the potential to literally take over the world. Like that's what you had. You have that so much incredible things within your life, and you were funneled to the point where you were told you're kind of worthless. And it, yeah, and it goes. It's, it's a lot of that words. I mean, I can go into a different direction where. They talk about getting Asians in football and, all right, well, you've got one here, you know. Um, I've got a mixed race, Asian, get released from Berry, And they're like, well, there you go. Just turn up at a football club. Turn up with your boots. You get a trial. Turn up with a name like Krishnan Patel with a football club and you think I'd get a, a trial. Didn't happen like that. You know, and it's just like having that understanding where actually the difference between equality and, e- and equity, they were treating me equally like everyone else, but I needed more help. You know, so it's, and they need to recognize that. If they can't recognize that with the skin color that's obvious right in front of them and the culture, how are they going to recognize that for something that's inside of your, your health, you know, inside your head? One of, one of the things that I always say to the boys is, uh, and I try and live my, and I guess 
my own life to a certain extent. But from their perspective, as I say, I get the on-pitch stuff. That's that's part of it. However, the bigger piece is the off-pitch stuff. And th- there's a lot of things on there. You know, all that support that they're offering, take all of it. You know, take it all. Because in theory, your on-pitch stuff can maybe count for a certain percentage. But everything else that sits around that is, is what will make you better on-pitch, but also make you better in life and equip you better. Mm. If you if you need, you know, if, if this doesn't work out or that doesn't work out, you know, you need that you need that capacity in your own mind to be thinking, like you just said, having more than one dream, you know. It's, it's this is what I want to do, but I need other options. Mm. And I speak about this a lot in life you need you need options you will if you don't have options you'll feel trapped if you're only focusing on one thing and that's all what's all about and that's not working you will feel trapped you need options you need to spin plates be thinking of other things because then as well that could take you on a different path completely different path yeah. which is the path that you want to be up that you should be on at that particular time and you don't feel stuck because when you get stuck that's when it gets pretty dark Mm-hmm. And it can get dark very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, like that, that to me, like it almost for you, Chris, it was like you had to go to that dark place, like all of us have done there, really, of thinking, shit, I've got no options here. What am I going to do? And almost at that point, the point of realization that it's going to be about making a difference to people, it's the moment all those op- options sort of appear, you know, because you sort of redefine what you are it's not this linear thing of I'm going to be a football player um, which as we talked about you know it, it is is ruthless but actually I'm going to do some good in the world which like yeah, you nice. tell me nice. <laughs> any person that'll say well we don't need one of them at the minute you know and, and it's hard you know it is hard to be positive but you know it really sounds like you've channeled all of that into making people think about options, giving yourself options and, and, and walking the walk. And that's, that, that's it. Walking the walk, you know? And I think that's, that's that in all of this is the key. Yeah. Is actions speak 20,000 times louder than yeah, words. Nice. And no, I love that. If we look love at, that. if we, if we look at leaders within society, I mean, you can, you can look, whether you want to look in politics or you want to look in business, there's a million leaders that have wonderful words. They make things sound so incredible. You think, man, I want that, right? But where are their actions? Where's their empathy? Have they been through the same struggles Mm. as you and I? No. Have they, you know, and if they, and that's where going through obstacles is one of the most beautiful things you can do. Yeah. And I, it's kind of the point where I actively now encourage it. Yeah. You know, I encourage you to go through obstacles Mm. because you're building you're building an opportunity to develop your life that no yeah. matter what comes now, I've got a process yeah. that I can get yeah. through it. Yeah. And now I know that I also build empathy. And empathy is one of the keys to any kind of leadership role because you're not feeling sorry for people. You're feeling people, you understand mm. it, and you connect straight away. So I, that's where the, the hope side of it and really bringing a different and new direction in society and, and, and in different walks of life is really, I think, is really important for us and it takes us to take that responsibility you spoke about buddhism before and you know a lot of people who listen to this have got faith in something and i think that's really important to have some 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 kind of faith and, and one of the things that i've i've kind of res- what has res- resonated with me over the last few years is is not praying for an easy life but praying for the tools to be able to endure a difficult life and part of that is to push yourself out of your comfort zone and just do stuff 
So walking the walk sometimes is is not just I'm going to run back to back marathons or cycle the length of the country as you did, Chris. But I'm going to do something which might not work. And that's very similar to what you were talking about, Dave. You know, you just got to give yourself options. But until you know what you're capable of doing, you really don't have that many options. There's nothing wrong with stress either. Stress, you know, we all need a level of stress. It's an actually good thing. Mm. It's when you do, because like you're saying, you know, at those times, it's where you learn and you become stronger. It's a problem when it's consistent and extended for long periods of time. That's when it becomes a problem. You know, yeah. but we live it. We're living in a society at the moment where it's like, don't want any stress, don't want this. I'm just searching for the perfect life. Don't don't exist. You know, life's life's full of of ups and downs. Yeah. We hope there are more ups than downs, mm-hmm. but the down stuff, like Chris, like you're saying, you know, you look back at you when you go for a period of 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 awfulness. Let's you know. Immediately after that, when you come out, you can look back at it with with hatred. You know, but as time goes on. I found that the way I look at it changes. I go, do you know what? If I hadn't done that, I would now not have learned this or be doing this mm. or I won't, I won't have empathy or I won't be able to add value here and there. You've got to go through it, but ideally not for long periods yeah. of time. Yeah, yeah. And it's that thing about resilience in all of that, isn't it? It's like yeah. when, you, when the shit's hit the fan and you have got out, you have in that same sort of mix of emotions of looking back and going, well, if we hadn't done, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be able to deal with this situation right now. Um, you know, it's all part of that resilience of kind of those hard knocks of life that we go, all right, not going to disrupt us forever, but they are going to make us think differently about decisions we might make, and then and about how we handle stuff when it gets difficult again. You know, it's all See, important that's, stuff. That's the beauty about middle age. You know. At middle age, in theory, you've been through a lot of stuff. And at middle age, you're starting to wake up to shit. <laughs> you know, you're going, oh, yeah, I'm not doing any of that that way ever again. <laughs> but that works and I'll do that. And I'm actually all right. You know, I'm a bit more yeah. reverse bust. I'm learning stuff, you know. I'm up for it from, mm-hmm. from that perspective. And maybe, you know, it's not a midlife crisis, as it's always described. It's a midlife awakening. Mm-hmm. We're waking up to stuff and going, Come on, all right, you're taking a piss there, but let's have a bit of this and let's not have a bit of that. Mm. If you look at it from a perspective of like middle age, being a youngster or a young adult, young adult, being a young adult is the time to challenge yourself, big style, right? Time to challenge and put yourself. Middle age, most entrepreneurs and most people who found businesses are between the age of 43 to 47. Yeah, it is, spot on, yeah. Right, so if you, if you look at that, right, you think, man, like, wow, why is that? It's because of exactly what you just said there, Dave, mm-hmm. is they've learned, they've seen what's right, what works, what doesn't, and they've got to a point where, right, now this is what, they've kind of defined who they are a little bit more, and they've you know been around the edges. They know the, the processes of how to get through difficulties, and they're like, right, let's go. So that, um, yeah, it just and that resilience, but you're talking about there, Phil, it brings me back to the most difficult things I've been through in my life are now my most treasured treasure yeah. possessions. <laughs> you know, like, they're so, so important to me. I'm like, man. But the issue is when people will t- listen to this and they'll be like, yeah, but if you're going through something, it's not like that, is it? But I'd argue if you can create a space, on a, for me, a daily, a daily space, that I can get myself out of where I am to see the true perspective. Breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then mm. it's breathing, it's meditation, it's prayer, it's reading, it's exercise, whatever it is for that person. It can be a multitude of things. If you can do that, you can then see there's a perspective that 
an amazing Japanese author talks about. He talks about it's called Daisaku Ikeda, and he talks about the perspective of a wall. If you're right next to a hundred foot wall, it looks huge. If you see that same hundred foot wall from an aeroplane in the sky, it looks like a mid dot. So the the beautiful thing is what's your perspective, mm-hmm. and the beautiful thing that you can create a space to see the true perspective of what you're going through. Yeah, then there's nothing mm-hmm. you can't get through. Mm-hmm. The issue is that you that you it's you're faced with a hundred foot walls every two seconds because you're not getting out of it. Is that the perspective of time? What gives you that that perspective? Is it is it time or is it is it movement? What what gives you that distance away from such a such a large challenge? Space, not time. I think it's. If you create the space uh-huh. okay. to be able to have the opportunity to see the true perspective, so that could you could you could have a practice that takes thirty seconds that is a instinctual trigger for you, and you automatically get into a certain state that helps you see the perspective you want to be in. But but it might take people twenty four hours. It might take people a whole retreat. Like you know, it could be a whole different thing. But if you can create space, so how how quickly can you create a space? to be able to get yourself into where you need to be. So I think it's the space and not specifically the direct amount of time. Um, and how do, you, how do you do that? Is that is that something as simple as meditation or going for a run or what do you do? I think everyone has their own has their own opinions of how they do that. And I think also different ways go deeper in different ways. So for example, Mel, my partner, she loves, uh, she thinks outdoors is her mm. everything, right? My argument is I, outdoors is amazing and it does amazing things. However, it doesn't tell me the reason for being doesn't tell me about the universe it doesn't tell me about life and death it doesn't tell me about the perspective i'm at uh, for me my buddhist practice and, and i chant every morning every evening that is my that is completely my processing mm-hmm. technique and i know that boom i'm, I'm literally getting my we call it state of life as high as possible mm-hmm. in the morning so that when i go across the light about in life i'm going to basically lose things within my bottle and then in the evening i reflect and get it back up yeah again, yeah you know so yeah, that's probably mine, but there's, there's a plethora yeah. of ways. Yeah, I'm sure we've all got different ways of doing things. It's getting perspective. Mm. Phil, Dave, do you, do you have any particular techniques that you use just to get a different perspective on things and to create that space? My thing is getting away because I spent so, so much time of my time in front of this blinking computer. And for me, literally get, getting out and being disconnected from whatever it was, you know, the, the, the just having the... the the same thing. It's just, it's the space thing. For for me, I shut off. I have this weird thing. Like I even did it today. I took the dog for a walk and kind of like I have this mental thing where I'm like, even though I'm fighting it in my head, I will not touch my phone <laughs> unless someone rings and it's. Yeah, but I won't be like checking emails mm-hmm. and checking messages and stuff like that because it's like, no, I am not in that. Anything like that is going to be pulling me back into the moment before I got out of that door. And and I just, yeah, I've always been one for walking, you know, just, just, just losing myself in that. And then, you know, I think for me, I am, I look, I, I do love being in the outdoors when I'm in, when I'm knotted up, you know, cause it's like all these stimulus that or stimuli that, that kind of unknot you that, that and we've talked about this one before, yeah. like the, the singing of birds in the trees, the the rustle of leaves i get lost in that it's nuts i just like i you know you know ten thousand leaves rustling in a tree just i I just get totally lost in that and then for me sometimes that that moment of being lost in in thought uncouples whatever it was i was i couldn't see past about you dave what do you what do you do it it would depend on the situation uh so 
as to what methods. So if you if I was at DEFCON one, I'd be like, right, stop this, get out of it. I need I need to literally escape, and that could be anything going out for a walk, running, head for the hills or anything like that. But I would say on the day-to-day, what do I do to manage Because you need perspective in general, don't you, uh, if you can do. And the one way that I find is is to try and uh, go at things slower. So rather than going at a constant 100 miles an hour, if you're going slower, you can think, you can breathe more. Take your breath, you can breathe more. You can think about things more because your brain's not racing. So definitely to go slower in general on the day-to-day. And sometimes just to stop, you know, like stop sort of going to the, the second person, you know, as a, the second person. So I'm Dave, but then I've got this alter ego that I call D, you know, and I talk to myself. You know, I, I would start to go, what are we doing here, Dave? Well, what do you mean, Dave? What and and oh, I do, okay. I, and I verbalize a lot. I talk to myself and I verbalize a lot. So go slower, you know, so you've got time to breathe and think and stop and pause and sort of come out of the situation. And I do, so I, I talk to D. D is Dave too. And I do it all the time, especially I get up in the morning. When I'm up in the morning, I'm mooching around because I get up earlier than everyone else. You know, Sue will get up or Max, who are you talking to? I'm talking to myself. You know, and it, 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 it's, incre- it's incredible that for me to, to do that, to talk to the to Dave too and back to Dave sort of thing, which if you saw me or you was, if you didn't know me or people just go, that's, that's just bonkers. But it works really, really well for me. You know, it, the verbalization of something takes it out of here and puts it out there. And it's like the, the volume's been turned down by 50% straight away. There's, there's, there's an old story, I think it's a, Buddy story could be a Zen kind of wisdom kind of teaching about, and I'm going to say it's, it could have been the Buddha or something where um, the teacher had some some water from a river and it was cloudy water. And how do you make the water clear? And then the the, the student, the pupil, tried all different things to fill to filter the water. And then the teacher just said, "Just sit and watch. Just create some space and create some stillness, and then all the sediment went to the bottom, and then you got clear water. It's very much about life. Quite often, we work too hard to fix things, and all we need to do is just let things be a little bit. Then all the crap sinks to the bottom, and then the clarity emerges at the end of it. And I've probably not done that story any justice, but it was a really simple way of looking at things about about stillness, and and it's almost like the observation of our thoughts. Something you mentioned there, Dave, was really interesting by talking to yourself. I think meditation is a great example of this it's just observing the thoughts as like a, almost like another part of me and there's like the ego part of me who's thinking some stuff and then there's the true version of yourself which is actually listening to that thought and going ah oh, that isn't me after all that's just a thought i can choose to accept that thought or just let it go does that resonate chris is, is that the kind of space creation that that you're alluding to absolutely that's one of the techniques definitely i remember listening to a podcast with the politician uh, the ex-politician mm-hmm. alistair campbell and he, he he had a term, if you think it, you can ink it. So essentially, his, his way is, oh, he always has a notebook mm. with him. Anything that comes into his mind, he inks it, Fine. he writes it. And it's his way of processing anything, just gets it out, gets it out, gets it out. And exactly what you said there, Dave, is, is really just getting it out of here and getting it out and creating that space. So yeah, there's loads. I mean, for me, another one is, is routine. I know I need routine. My routine's a great way. When I lose my routine, I'm a really bad Krish. Uh, I don't like myself. I don't feel great. That's why when I go on holiday after the first three days, I'm lost. Like I need a routine holiday where actually I'm doing stuff. Like a beach holiday doing nothing, I'm ruined. Like don't don't give it to me. I get that one. I get that. You know. And um, so I think routine. I've, I've learned to be routine. 
really, really important. But there's, there's different mm. different things. And I, th- I think it's worthwhile noting that a lot of people who are, yeah. out, who are now overwhelmed with life yeah. often get out of a routine. And so many people are now saying that they don't have a routine. And just having a simple routine to write down and, and planning things rather than just living in a world of distraction. Yeah, letting, letting, it, letting that become... life take control of us rather than the other way around. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I think there's a really good balance to be had between knowing what you're doing when you're going to do it and just, you know, being in the flow of life and i think it's too easy now to be distracted and, and but be involved in other people's then journeys that comes into like purpose and stuff because i was thinking about this again on my little walk where i was sort of trying to avoid and did avoid my phone like the whole thing of just preempting the chat you know like having stuff to do that isn't work and isn't life but it's this other stuff about what you do to with the community around you what you're doing that, that tries to make a difference in, in in the society around you and i think that's you know um that to me that gives me so much it you know we've talked about this on on the cast before but since coming out of a bit a, a company kind of thing where i was you know full throttle all the time because um, the way i'm wired uh, and then just going from work to life and then not having anything in the middle where I could apply myself was you know coming out of that I was like no I need to be able to give something that whatever it is I need to devote energy that isn't just about grafting for money Money. Money. and isn't purely about yeah you know and isn't purely about just stuff I do with my family which is really important but for me and I'm, I'm, I'm this, you know, I know Chris has got shed loads of things to talk about on on this subject. But that whole thing of like, for me, that's my that that I see now that gives me equilibrium. I really, 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 you know, I know that that keeps me really balanced, you know. And it's not work life balance for me. It's like life, work, and community, you know, not not in a grand way you know, no big plans or anything like that, but just knowing that I make, can make a difference. I think that's the key though. It's as soon as you t- attach a monetary value to something, it becomes significantly different. It's completely and utterly different. You know, if you're doing something for somebody, no matter. Is it then an exchange rather yeah, than you, you, If you're doing something and not expecting anything back in return and what you're doing, you can see is making a difference, no matter how small or big, to the people, the person or the people or whatever you're doing, that's like, that's incredible that, you know, and I don't think you can, I think what, you, what you, what, what Phil's saying is, I, I don't think you can, if you turn around and said, there's 500,000 pounds for that, I still don't feel like sometimes it feels good because of what you're actually doing. It's as soon as you put money to it, you know, and that, that takes us back to something we were talking about previously, Chris, uh, before we started the podcast, is about that purpose around social impact. So how do you create social impact? What did you mean by that, Chris, when you, were, when you were talking about creating social impact or social value? Have you got any examples you can give us? It's hard, isn't it? Because it's, tangible. it's an intangible thing you're trying to put on a tangible impact. And that's, that's one of the hardest things to start in the social enterprise, tell us that we have. Um, when people used to ask for funding bids, and especially when we first started, they'd say, oh, so how have you impacted these people? We were doing workshops on storytelling and, and raising aspirations and stuff. It was a feeling that people were getting out of it. It wasn't a, a thing. Mm-hmm. So essentially, 
it was really, really difficult. But also, I felt that transactional thing you've just been talking about there, Dave, is it made me think, oh, now they want me to get statistics. Yeah. So even though it wasn't money I was trying to get out, yeah. they want the funding bids mm. wanted me to come out of that with certain numbers. numbers to then give to them so I can get more money. Yeah. And it's been a really hard mm. because I don't care about that. I don't mm. care about the numbers. I don't care about any of that. It's the feeling that I care yeah. about. And yeah. the social impacts and what you're doing is really either can you raise awareness for others? Can you do you care about it yourself? There's a million things out there, right? There's if you look at inclusion, disabilities, refugees and asylum seekers, you've got homeless people, you can look at poverty, you can look at um, mental health, there's, there's you've got women's empowerment. There's, you can go a million ways. It's impossible to do all of them right at once. Now, with Tales of Spider, we are raising awareness on all of them with the share, the stories that we do share. But it's what's what's good enough for you and where are you happy with and where's that feeling? Now, there's a, there's a phrase that I absolutely love which I think I made up, is um, the best way to be selfish is to be selfless. You really want your life to change. You want to go fast forward. You want, you're want you in a rut. You want to go times 10. What do you do? Acts of service. Simple. Your life will completely change 10 to, 10 to 20 times as fast as you ever wanted. Acts of service. Acts of service. I love that. Tell us more about Tales to Inspire. I think it's a really good opportunity for you to to promote another fantastic podcast. Yeah, so Tales to Inspire originally was essentially a platform to share people's stories, to encourage people that there's nothing we can't break through. Real-life stories, real-life positive change within individuals and the systems in which we live. And that's like November 2019, and then it went viral. It was a blog post initially. I would share the stories of individuals, and then we started a podcast, and then schools reached out, then the corporate space reached out, and essentially, we've shared stories of people from all walks of life raising aspirations on adventure, entrepreneurship, disability awareness, homelessness, relationship struggles. You name it, we've shared stories and raised aspirations on a certain subject. And then those people are taking action within their own spheres. And it's been amazing because everyone has said at the beginning, you have to niche. You have to have a podcast or a business that is just one thing. I was like, I don't even know what that one thing is. I have no idea. And all I care about is everything. So let's go for it. You know, and now it's got to the point where we've gone the other way around, which hasn't been the efficient way. But now all these different products, I say products in inverted commas, is essentially come up, come out. So we've now got a speaking agency where we have speakers that can deliver workshops in, in the corporate space or in schools. Uh, schools reached out in the corporate space. Can we deliver? Can we capture the stories of people within their organizations to break down barriers and then put them into books or into documentary series? Like all these things have come out from an idea. Um, we've done work with refugees and all sorts of really cool stuff, but essentially we flipped it upside down. Um, so we're a not-for-profit organisation, and, and it's we really are about idea generation. One of our volunteers, um, Liv, she won't mind me mentioning her, her name. She was 18 when she started with us, and she said that she was first year at university, and she said she was so grateful. And I said, "What are you grateful for?" She said, "I'm in an organisation that's growing, and I've got a voice, and my voice is being heard." The thing that Tales to Inspire really tries to do is to leverage people's voices onto a platform so that they can be heard. And then let's go and take it, take action. And so it's just been this incredible journey that we've built relationships, we've built relationships and we continue doing that. It's going to get to a point, though, where you look at the systems we live, they need to change. That Right, let's go. 
let's go and cause a little bit of hassle, you know, and, and I'm gonna, I can't wait for that time. It's not yet, just now, but um, maybe after this podcast it, episode, it might come out. <laughs> Straight after. Before we start to wrap up, because I know we're going to have to do it at some point, because it's gone dark outside. It's that time of year. And we've been talking for a long time. Chris, you may, I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask a question of us as individuals or collective. What question would you like to ask? I'm going to go, Andy, let's go first. Andy, life is about... Living. That's quick. Love it. Life is about living. Love it. I'm going to go with Dave. Let's go with how much of where you're at right now is due to luck and how much of it is due to hard work? 50-50. Right. Interesting. Okay. And Phil, if there was a government rule, uh, uh, a law or a rule that you had the choice that you could bring in that everyone had to abide by, what would it be? Yeah, right. Okay. Love this. Not quite quick. Oh fire. my no, god! No. Oh my god! No, because let's flip how we work on its head a little bit. If we talk about a thirty-seven hour week, I know probably we we don't. None of us do that. It's either a lot more or a lot less, what have you. If there was a, a proportion of people's time that they had to dedicate outside of that to make an impact on the people around them in some sort of activity, that would rock. That would be oh, off the charts for me, me. Mate, that's class. I like that. I like that's that. fucking class. Are you talking about community service? Yeah, well, yeah, but not in a com- community service as a sort of negative um, thingy because it's a punitive thing, isn't it? I know, what a horrible thing. Why is that? Sorry, this is gone. Why is community it's service? Because p- it's positioned that way. Why does it way? feel like a punitive thing? You know, because it's seen as, oh, yeah. well, some, some kids do wrong, so we're going to make them, you <laughs> know. That, but it shouldn't be. It should be celebrated. 100% should be celebrated. I've got a suggestion, guys. You know what we'll do? We'll do a, we'll do an episode, and Chris will get you back, and we'll have it. We'll call it Chris's Quick Fire, and we'll do a full episode. It'd be class. That's what we should do. Let's mix it up. Dave and Phil, think of a question for Chris. It's got to be Quick Ooh. Fire. Who comes up? Who's going to come up with the first question? Okay, Chris. Most pivotal moment in your life so far? Uh, me um, realizing who my mentor was in life. I've got one for you. Who's your mentor in life? <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> He's come, he come up quick with that one. <laughs> my, my mentor um, is a guy that I've never met and I've never spoke, didn't even speak English. Um, he's called Daisaku Okada. Love it. He's, my, he's the person I spoke about um, earlier um, with, who's the, the Japanese author. He's also the, the leader of the Buddhist organization. practice. But it's not forced upon. It's realizing... Um, why it's so important um, so it's, yeah he's my mentor in life my life mentor um, but yeah quick fire so I won't carry on but I could do all day yeah, I definitely need to ask you more about that but not right now brilliant Chris thank you so much um, for just for, for this not for this time but for this wisdom for, for just being you you know you, I just get the sense that you're just being you you're always you you don't seem to put an act on you just you're just being natural and authentic all the time. And, you know, that's what I love about you. And I mean that, you know, that's the word I'm, I'm talking about. You know, I, I, I love you as much as love these guys. You know, you, you're one of us as far as I'm concerned. So thank you for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Um, we, just before Apple, we kind of just succinctly say what we've taken from this. You know, we can say one thing that we've taken from this this episode. Who wants to go first? We, we always end with Dave. So, Phil, Chris, what have you got yeah. from this? Chris, what have you got from I've this? I've got from this episode that how many commonalities we have yeah. as, let's just go with males right now, in the northwest of England, 
but you'll soon start to find out that that's also throughout yeah. the UK and the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have so many commonalities and so many thoughts and so many connections, mm-hmm. and it's just about how we unite those. To mm-hmm. and the other thing that I made I, I got out of this is we do care about the world in which we live. Sometimes we just don't know how we go about that and implement that impact or whatever it is, but we do care. That is a trait that I, I definitely felt from this conversation. I love that. Thank you. Dad, there's so much, but like uh, just being true to what makes us who we are. You like the journey, whether it's over 40 years like us old duffers or, or, or you know, a shorter time frame like you, Chris understanding the bits along the journey that make you who you are and define you um and and being true to that you know having you know we do talk about purpose and all that kind of things but you know i so you know like, like i i think i only really sort of zoned in on my purpose in my mid mid 40s or something like that and that feels like a you know seems like a shame you know <laughs> it feels like oh god if i don't only been doing this that way you know earlier you know but hey you know but finding that being true to yourself because so it's just sorry i'm on a tangent here but we do live in a world of bullshit where people Mm -hmm. just have these Mm -hmm. projections and we see it all the time on linkedin don't we and it's like i'm this i'm that and it's like god you're not you know you're not you're not the you're not these bullet points on linkedin that is not you you know, there's something else. And if you think that's you, you know, you, you've got some discovery to do. Um, for, for me, whilst it wasn't exactly said, but everything seems to be around this. What I've taken from this is the answers in the question. We've asked a lot of questions of each other and we've alluded around it. And I think the answer is in the question. So, for example, what I mean by that is like, how do you make a positive difference? Just do something different positively. You know, how do you give hope? Just be hopeful. Um, how do you inspire action? Just act. It's very similar to the obstacle is the way. And we were talking about this when, you know, like, what do you do when you, when you, when you need some perspective? Um, and obviously I do a lot of running. Some people are running away from stuff and pe- some people are running towards stuff. And I think that's really pertinent. When I'm asking people, you know, why do you run? Oh, I'm running away from the problems or I'm running towards a goal, for example. Um, but I think the obstacle is the way. I just like to run headfirst into stuff and just see what happens. So for me, what I've taken from this is somebody in front of us other than Dave and Phil, but Chris, who just goes, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to make a difference and see what happens. And that's the only way you do it. So thank you for demonstrating that for us, Chris. Appreciate it. Dave, over to you. Talk us out of the show. What do our listeners need to do and don't do? Well, don't stop listening. Definitely keep listening, which we are super thankful for, you know. Uh, Give us a like, give us a comment, give us a share, give us a follow. And if you if you got ever you know like we always say over time, you've got any questions, you want to get in touch, you know, you want to any ideas for what we talk about, or you want to have a conversation with one of us offline, or all the three of us together, drop us an email at hello at talkingcod.com. Class. So um, so Chris, how do people get in touch with you if you want to hear more about the work you do? Oh, cheers for asking. So essentially, you can find out more from. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, all our social media is at Tales to Inspire, and um, our website is TalesToInspire.com. Our podcasts are all Tales to Inspire. So essentially, anything to do with Tales to Inspire or LinkedIn, Chris Bell, and get on with me. Thanks, guys. Absolutely love this episode. Take care. Banging boys. Bye, guys. Nice one, guys.